Hello, welcome to the first episode of the Creative Tech Systems Podcast. This is your host, PJ Bernay, and who am I? That's a pretty long conversation. I think I could probably... I was thinking of doing a whole episode just about my life story, but I think that would be a little bit conceited to start out with. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> essentially... I, you know, consider myself an artist, a web developer, an entrepreneur, business person. Um, I just incorporated my business recently, and so I'm. I've been, I've I've had a business for years as a freelancer, but I finally decided to incorporate um, an LLC officially, and so that has been a really interesting process. Um, you know, not just for the liability protection. That's not really why I did it. So that's going to be a topic of the show um, going forward. There's a lot of different things that I'm learning, um, such as such as uh, monitoring your business credit and you know how advantageous that can be, um, and just the whole world of business credit is really fascinating. Um, but I will also be talking about content creation and content marketing. I think I want to make this a daily show. I really enjoy creating content. And, um, you know, that was a gradual process. But just the Internet is such a great opportunity to create content. And, uh, you know, people say talk is cheap. But look at look at the billionaires that have made money just talking, like uh, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, <laughs> you can't say talk is cheap because she's making, or she made billions of dollars doing that. So, um, I know that's just one example. But uh, I think creating content um, is really interesting. It's really fun, I think. Especially when you can get some feedback and you know you start to see people are interested in what you're doing and, and you're actually doing you're providing information that people actually want and you know how can you organize that information and deliver it the best way possible and, and create and there's just so much uh, there's just a lot to it and this is something I've learned over the years um, I first started out as a a blogger in the traditional sense writing content and I I think I wasn't always someone that liked to write but um, I think I was pretty good at it because I had good teachers that really forced me to read books and just by reading you know, I didn't take any shortcuts because my teachers would make sure that you read every single sentence because they would always test you on like that one, the name of the dog or something. You know, there was always it was never a question that you could find in the cliff note, the cliff notes, the cliff notes. I don't, I don't know how to say that. Um, so that's how I got to be a good writer, but uh, the by reading a lot of those books like, you know, Charles Dickens, I mean, these, a lot of these classic books, they, you end up writing really flowery, flower, flowery? <laughs> it's hard to say. Flowery language. And you, um, you use a lot of words that aren't really necessary. 
And so I took a communications class. I uh, was going to take, I was going to get a graduate degree, a master's degree in communications in San Antonio. Um, and I ended up taking the hardest class in the program first, which, uh, you know, a lot of people told me they took this class last because they heard it was the most difficult of all the courses in that program. But, um, when I, I just kind of showed up there late. So they're like, well, we have this one class available that you can take. And so I thought, okay, well, it's just, you know, this sounds interesting. And it was a writing class called magazine article writing and great professor he was very he was very sneaky with me he um he really i think he really uh pushed me hard and i'll go and i could probably do a whole episode about that experience with um that professor but he actually helped me a lot to eliminate passive voice from my writing and uh you know to break a lot of bad habits but, um, you know, he really pushed us to write um, at the Reader's Digest level, which is sort of like the fourth grade reading level. And I think I went too far in that direction because the way that I used to write before I took that class was was a little bit more, uh, I guess you could say, scholarly. <laughs> I mean... I mean, my the way that I wrote was very long-winded, and I used a lot of big vocabulary words. And then I went in the other direction, in sort of the Reader's Digest direction, just because you know I was going for what that professor was telling me to do. But but what happened was, I think Google preferred my old way of writing, which was like using bigger vocabulary words. Because the you know Google is sort of an academic company and they tend to favor or at least they used to they favored um, content that you know was was a little bit more scholarly and so they had algorithms probably even back then that would um, count the number of syllables in your words and so on and just to because they had algorithms that could figure out how smart you were based on, uh, you know, just doing an algorithmic scan of your content. So I think my content initially just jumped to the top because I was pretty well educated, not just from going to, not just because I went to a good college, actually, I did not really read that much in college. But um, just all the books I read in high school, I mean, I read a, a pile of, of books uh, that uh, I, got, I got boosted up to the uh, basically the gifted level in high school for writing, even though I was just sort of like a lowly advanced student. Um, once they saw my, some of my essays, they boosted me up to the... Uh, advanced placement which was really all the gifted kids and i was in there with they would they would just constantly make jokes about me oh the poor advanced guy you know he got bumped who got bumped up and you know <laughs> they, I, it was uh anyway that was a whole that's a whole other tangent but anyway i i was an okay blogger i really got into it i took it pretty seriously you know seeing this as my profession 
because when I when blogging came out in 2004, I was at, at that time in my life I was looking for something new to do. I had already some experience writing an ebook, and so I I knew that there was potential for um, making money doing that. Uh, but the whole concept of the professional blogger, this was like a new concept, and and I got in kind of early, and it seemed like a good opportunity. So, uh, I, you know, I already knew how to set up the servers and everything and how to, um, do the advertising and so on. So I had a head start over a lot of people, but there was still a lot more to learn. Um, and, and the whole industry was learning at that point. Um, and the pretty much the most popular, blog in the world around that time in 2004 was TechCrunch and TechCrunch I don't want to go into the whole story here but TechCrunch was basically the most popular blog in the world as far as I know and I think he was a lawyer Mike Mike Arrington was the blogger I think he was a lawyer and then he I think what he was doing was he invited all these startups to come to his house and then I, I guess he just you know would maybe help these startups work broker deals with uh, the venture capital people I'm not exactly sure how that happened but I heard that some of those parties were really um, important for getting people kind of started on some of those uh, startups in the early days and I listened to this podcast called Texing, and uh, one of the hosts of that show, Jason Roberts, he's the guy that created the dispatching engine for Uber. And he talks about how his wife encouraged him to um, go out to San Francisco, go to one of these parties and meet people and uh, start networking. And yeah, so that's, I think. I don't remember the exact story, but I think that's how Jason Roberts ended up um, working for Uber. As uh, I think he was like the 11th or 12th employee or something like that. And I remember listening to his podcast and he's saying, hey, you know, if you really should apply to this new company called Uber. We're hiring and, you know, we've got about 10 people and... Um, it's a great company. We have like really good ideas here. And I almost applied just because he was, I love this podcast and he was really um, encouraging people to sign up. But I just didn't want to move back to California. I lived in California. I lived on Venice Beach for a little while. And I guess you could say I've already, I already kind of had my California experience. I mean, it was really fun and in- exciting and interesting, but. I didn't want to go back there. You know, there were other seems like a lot of opportunities that I had in California that I turned down just because I just didn't want to move to California. Um, I, I have a family here in Texas. I'm originally from Florida, and I lived in Florida for hmm pretty much until 2000. Uh, you know, Y2K around that time period. And then I moved to different places like 
New York and California. Did a little bit of wandering around. I'm not really sure what I was going to do after college. I got an art degree. Uh, I sort of so I majored in electronic media, painting, drawing. You know, I did a lot of uh, computer art, and uh, yeah, the I ended up technically my major was drawing, but I took a lot of sculpture classes, a lot of painting classes, and a lot of uh, let's just call it like multimedia type classes using you know what little technology that we had at the time. Um, actually, I shouldn't say what little technology we had. I mean, I was doing pretty advanced stuff with like 3D uh, rendering, 3D renderings, um, animation, modeling, and I was doing stuff with machines, like physical machines, um, building things. And the nice thing about drawing as a major, they gave me this particular department. They were very open-minded in terms of what you could consider to be a drawing. So they let me do a lot of uh, computer stuff, but um, at that point in my career, I was really nerdy, and art school kind of pushed me outside of my safety zone, or they call it my comfort zone. So I was doing a lot of uh, computer graphics, computer programming, just online stuff. I was uh, building a bulletin board system from scratch in high school. I had I designed this like uh, display buffer optimization that would like render the pages faster. That was something I was working on. That was really uh, cutting edge. And I pretty much created Facebook in the 80s before there was a Facebook. Uh, you know, I created also Napster before there was a Napster. This was all in the 80s. This was like a multi-user uh, system you could log into. There was games. There was a worldwide message network that I was connected into. Um, FidoNet, IntellectNet. And people were talking about artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence back in the 80s. And I had all the stuff on my bulletin board system. People could play games against each other, which is something that Facebook didn't even have until much later um, in the uh, timeline of Facebook. I mean, Facebook did just start offering games at the very beginning. And I had that on my BBS in the 80s. Uh, we had Global Wars, which is sort of like Risk. We had sort of like turn-based strategy games like uh, Global Wars and um, Yankee Trader. And, you know, these are basically like spaceship games where you visit other planets and then, you know, occasionally you'll fight against uh, the other players. And there was another game called Operation Overkill, which is sort of like a... You're wandering through sort of like a wasteland attacking uh, different you know monsters and stuff <clears throat> I think and then we had a freshwater fishing game that was like a little bit more interactive where you could um, fish for I don't know that was a fun game it had really good animation and what else did I have I had another game called the pit which was sort of like a Dungeons and Dragons type of thing and some of my friends from high school signed up, so that was cool. You know, we could talk about, you know, we'd play the game, then we'd talk about it, you know, the next day and, you know, during lunch or whatever. 
Um, and so by setting up that bulletin board system, I got really good at just working with operating systems. I reviewed hundreds of software applications. Like every time someone would upload an application, I would you know actually use the application, try it out, you know, uh, write a review of it, and then I would do a virus scan and so on. And I'd you know write a description of it, which I guess was uh, that took some skill there and then I'd classify the files and another thing that I got really good at with the bulletin board system was creating user interfaces and this was like 20 years before the whole concept of user experience or user interface uh, design and pretty much the principles back then were the same as they are today um, instead of HTML we had um ANSI control codes and you know we had fewer colors to work with but there were special tricks you could do with like shading characters and like half characters like you could mix colors together by um, you know through various little tricks with the uh, ANSI uh, they they call them high ASCII characters Um, and you know there was sort of like frameworks back then too where you could download a a Pascal or a C framework that would let you design, let's say, like Windows online, so you could have like a like a window with a drop shadow could be drawn in these like characters, uh, you know, different colored characters, and you had um, standard libraries. Uh, so some of you that aren't as technical, you know, I will try not to lose you too much. <laughs> try not to lose you in the technical talk too much. But um, let's just say that the, you know, there were a lot of the, the principles were, were the same back then. Um, and, and in some ways they were even more advanced because, you know, even today you don't really see multi-user chat rooms where people can be typing at the same time and you can actually see the person typing. We had that. Uh, even today, nobody does that because it just, I don't know, it's too slow. <laughs> it's like to show every single character. For some reason, nobody does that. I thought it was really, that was really fascinating to be able to watch someone type. I mean, that just made it more realistic to, you know, to feel like you know somebody just based on the way that they're typing. Um, but for whatever reason, we don't do that today. I think that's one of the greatest disappointments of the internet for me is that you can't see people typing. And I think, you know, eventually we'll get that, you know, eventually Facebook or whoever will add that feature. I mean, I'm sure they're still watching you type anyway, even though I'm pretty sure I know for a fact this is happening. Um, there was a, so Facebook, you know, like let's say you you say something like really mean and then you delete it, like and you think, oh, okay, nobody's gonna know I wrote that because I pressed backspace and I deleted what I said. Uh, that, Facebook knows they they <laughs> they're capturing your keystrokes, and you can tell um, if you if you try to use a really slow, uh, let's say your your mobile phone is really slow and you start typing on there, you can see that they're. Anyway, you can just tell they're capturing the keystrokes uh, because, you know, there shouldn't be any lag at all when you're typing uh, because it's just a text box. But if, if if it starts to lag when you're typing into a text box, you know that they're probably um, capturing your keystrokes. Uh, 
you know, just to uh, figure out, just to get a little bit of extra data out of what you're thinking. Um, anyway, yeah, so I'll be talking about things that annoy me in terms of like privacy and security on this podcast. Um, and how the internet is evolving or maybe not evolving, uh, you know, big picture paradigm changes, things like that, uh, I think are very interesting, but you know, I'll try not to make this podcast too technical because I think that really shrinks the, the market. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want everyone listening to make more money with their blogs. Uh, because I, one of the ways that I make money is by hosting WordPress blogs and um, just websites in general. So if your blog, you know, 10x is in size, <clears throat> and then I'm hosting your blog, hey, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna make 10x more money necessarily because I don't charge you. Um, on, you know, like on a one-to-one scale like that. I charge for page views. So, you know, if you, if you got 10 X more traffic, then maybe you're going to go into the next plan or the next plan above that. And so I'll make a little bit more money. Um, you know, people, if, 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 let's say, let's put it this way. Let's say you're making $2,000 a month, um, on your blog. It's not really unreasonable to spend, um, $200 a month on your web hosting. You know, that's 10%. Now you probably, I don't think it just depends on what you're doing with, with your business. You might make $200,000 a month on your blog and I might only charge you $200 a month. It doesn't like, I don't really look at your revenue. I don't, I have no idea what my clients are making. Some of them are making, um, many, many, many times more, profit than 100x um so you know you could be making 10x 100x 1000x you know it's i don't really know how, what you're doing all i really f- follow is the page views because that's factoring into my cost in terms of uh, managing the servers and everything so that's sort of my um you know this part of my motivation for doing this of course i want to see my own content grow in popularity I want to make content that people are interested in and uh, if I'm able to help you do that I'm also helping myself because you know when I figure something out um, or you figure something out and you because sometimes my clients tell me what's working for them and so I'm not going to tell everybody exactly what what you're doing but if you give me some little tip I might share that on the on the show and we can all benefit from that. Um, and partly why I'm doing this as a podcast, like I was saying before, I used to be a writer. And uh, I was one of the last people to get into video. Because a lot of people were saying, oh, you need to get into video. And I really held out because they said, no, you know, there's only so much time in the day. I'm a writer. I'm just going to focus on writing and do what I do best. But um, I remember there was a time period where I heard a statistic, something like only 10% of the population, no, something like 15 or 14% of the population enjoys reading. 
Um, you know, okay, there's like a huge percentage of the population that just can't read. They can, or they can barely read, or maybe they can read, they don't have time, or they're just, they don't enjoy it. It's just painful for them to just sit there and like try to figure out what you're saying. Just, uh, it's just a literacy problem, the way I see it. I mean, I could sit down and read a page of text in a few seconds, I can kind of get the gist of it. But, and, you know, there's people that read way faster than, than I do. Um, but at some point, the other problem with blogging for me is that I'm a perfectionist. I've been doing it for so long that I have to do it perfectly. And what happens is I spend at least a whole day editing. Like I do one day to create the content and then I need, I need a whole other day to edit, revise, make, you know, add, add things that I missed. Well, it's not really a whole day, but, you know, sometimes it's a whole day, sometimes it's a half a day. Uh, I need a whole day. Basically, what I do is I create some content, and I sleep on it, and then I wake up. And sometimes, I would say, the majority of times when I wake up the next day, I think, you know what, I really should have said this, or I really should add that, or I I shouldn't have said this. And so, with podcasting, yes, you can do that, but... And it's it's so time consuming. Again, that's really time consuming to go back with the uh, with the editor, with the audio editor, and to clip out all the ums and the uh, <laughs> all the little mistakes. And I just refuse to do that if if I can help it. Um, so I'm recording. This is, I guess, you could call it. In in the movies, they call it the fluid master. Where there's no stopping the camera, you just kind of do the whole scene without stopping. Um, that's not exactly what's happening in podcasting, but same type of thing. It's just one take. If I mess up, then I mess up, and that's it. So, <laughs> um, so I hope that's a sort of an overview of what I'll be doing on this podcast. Uh, you know, I do want to talk about content creation, promoting the content, and then, you know, maybe making that, making money with the content different ways. Like it won't just be all about putting some ads on your content. I mean, you might be making content to sell your product or service. Like, like I just said, I have a web hosting business and I have a web development business. So even if, uh, you know, I have a product to sell alongside my content. You know, some people are just making content about making content about making content, or they're just like making, you know, they're selling a product that's about selling a product. Uh, You know, that can be really scary in a way because people are listening thinking, okay, well, you know, (laughs) so I think it's even against the terms of service to uh, sell a product that's just about selling a product. I think that's against the terms of service on ClickBank. Um, I can't remember the exact rule there, but... Um, So I'm all about having multiple revenue streams and having some depth there. I mean, I'm all in favor of putting up some advertisements, like putting up some Google AdSense ads. And if you want me to talk about how to be more profitable with Google AdSense, I'm definitely 
willing to uh, share things that I've learned by uh, testing out different strategies over millions of page views I've tried out a lot of things and I can tell you what works um, but also you know I'm really I've I've done a lot with affiliate programs I think I'm, I'm pretty much an expert with uh, affiliate programs setting them up you know how how they cheat how you're losing money with your affiliate programs or you know how to make the most money with affiliate programs this is another way to make money with uh with content and so there's different ways to make money with content um you know for example i'm using a platform right now that i think has a monetization option so that could be uh, another avenue for making some extra money so i'll be sharing uh, the financial aspect of creating content and trying to maximize how much uh, money you can make with your content and of course one of the biggest ways to make money with content is to create a course (laughs) uh you know there's all kinds of platforms for that now i mean first time i looked at this i thought there was a lot of different platforms there was like coursera and udemy and now there's new ones like teachable and um you know i was just looking at them last night there's new ones um there was another popular one was Gumroad. I follow them, sort of. I tried doing some Gumroad. I tried to do a Gumroad product. product, uh, But I don't remember what happened. I just didn't finish it. And I tried to do a ClickBank product, and I chose chose some category that's, like, sort of... uh, They didn't like the category. It was basically, like, a spreadsheet... And, uh, you know, they said they can't sell a spreadsheet. So, but anyway, there are, there are a lot of opportunities to sell, um, information products. Sometimes they're called. And I have all of this knowledge of me. I've been doing internet marketing for 20 years now, over 20 years since uh, 1994. And so I feel like I have a lot to offer. Um, at the same time, the courses are very structured, you know, you have, uh, different, I guess, sections, and then there's different, uh, lessons, and, you know, maybe you have a quiz or something, and to me, once I start fleshing out a course with all these different sections, then I look at my to-do list, like, okay, I've got to do another, i got to record another lesson, i got to do another diagram, and what you create really quickly is this very intimidating to-do list for yourself. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is just way too much. Um, so one of the courses I started creating, just the I just got overwhelmed with how much content I was going to have to create and how much time it was going to take me to edit everything. And then if I make one change, then I have to redo the diagrams and everything. So... I gave up on that, but, um, so it's been, it does seem like it's pretty easy to just start recording podcasts. You think, oh, well, it's simple. You just press the record button and, and that's all you got to do is just start talking. Um, and in a way, I mean, that's really all it takes. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not that easy. 
<laughs> uh, you know, for me personally, it's just taken uh, it's taken me years to uh, get to this point where I can just you know press record and then get through and communicate the ideas that I'm trying to communicate without getting uh, bogged down or you know without getting um, frustrated. And so I did an, an, I've done several experiments with different podcasts and different shows on YouTube and I had some pretty good successes and some pretty big failures. Uh, I did one about was like sort of uh, focused on meditation and, so, you know, sort of like self-talk type of stuff, uh, just, you know, it was like content creation with an emphasis on meditation and I thought the content was pretty amazing but for whatever reason it just got no momentum in YouTube and I've done a lot of experiments on YouTube and I found that they just some of them I think are really the content is really high quality and I produce a lot of content I think I did 12 episodes with a co-host one time we put that on YouTube and almost no views whatsoever it was just really strange um, you know other times I'll put up some content and it'll just blast off so it's just really hard to figure out like what's going to be successful and what's not going to be successful um, you know that said podcasting seems like one of those platforms that just works. You don't have to, um, it seems like your podcast could be, there's, let's just say the bar is not so high that, that it has to be, um, uh, incredible, amazing content in order to get some, some views. Uh, I think with, with YouTube, it's just, it's hit or miss, and it doesn't really seem like there's any correlation between the quality of the content and how many views you get. But uh, with podcasting, it does seem like you get a lot more bang for your buck in terms of, uh, you know, how many people will listen to what you're doing. And the, the metrics, the analytics, or the metrics, whatever you call them, are not as good with podcasting because you know you can't there's really um there's not like one player like you have on youtube like youtube has one player uh, one video player pretty much so they can hook in with javascript they could they know like how far people listened and you know with podcasting because it's all being distributed through the rss feeds there's really no way to track how people are consuming your content so you don't get as much data but um, you can you can tell people, hey, uh, you know, text me at this number, or you know, let's talk about this in such and such chat room, and that's where you can really get a feeling for, hey, people are actually listening to my content and they're um, getting something out of it. So that's that's something that I'll be doing. I haven't in the past. I would have people go on Telegram and join me in a chat room there. But 
I'm thinking of doing maybe something with text messaging. Maybe you guys could text me. I'll, create, I'll set up a phone number. This is something that I've done with uh, my software development. I've created a text messaging platform where you could just text me, and then it'll, um, on my end, it'll just kind of, everyone's messages will go into sort of like a chat room, and then I can reply to people individually through uh, sort of like this dashboard interface. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, and then maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go through all of that work or just have people go into Telegram. Um, another thing I could do is just send people to my website, to my blog, like creativetechsystems.com, and then I could create like a subdirectory where everyone could chat about the podcast. I might do that. Uh, that's another possibility. Um, but, uh, like I said, Telegram is a pretty good solution too because the thing, yeah, the thing about Telegram that's nice is people can access it um, pretty much anywhere. Like Android, iPhone, there's Telegram uh, as an app. But uh, same for the website option. I coded my own chat room software. Anyway, um, so you might be wondering, well, if you're a blogger, then why are, if you're, you know, hosting WordPress blogs, why are you so focused on podcasting? And it's not really, uh, it's, they go together really well. So what you can do is you can just embed the, the content. You can just embed the podcast player right into a blog post and then I can write a little introduction or a summary, like, okay, in this podcast I'm going to be talking about blah, blah, blah. And then you can have sort of like a boilerplate or something. I even wrote some software that will automatically uh, download an RSS feed and then automatically um, create uh, blog posts from the, the podcast feed. Um, actually, no, I can't remember. I actually, no, I have not done that yet. I was thinking about doing that. What my software does is it creates a page. So you just create a page on your, on your website. Like, let's say, you know, creativetechsystems.com slash, you know, whatever, like a page. And then my software will crawl the RSS feed and then automatically like display all of the, um, podcast posts with you know all the descriptions it'll download it automatically and I coded this for Libsyn already so I have that code um, unfortunately the platform I'm using now is called Anchor and they do not have an RSS feed uh, as far as I can tell so I'm going to have to maybe email tech support for, and say hey guys you know can you tell me what my RSS feed is so that I can download it? Um, because that is, you know, I need, I need an RSS feed. Once I have an RSS feed, I can automate, um, you know, making stuff on, on the website. So, you know, for example, I record a new episode, the RSS feed has the new episode and then it would automatically get added to my, to my website. So people wouldn't have to go to the podcast website to get um, access to the podcast. 
Um, yeah, so podcasting is a much faster way to create content. I don't, and I've heard people tell me this that are really experts, and they've said that Google tends to prefer these really long blog posts, like pod, (laughs) blog posts that have a lot of content that are, you know, X number of words, I can't remember how many words, but longer uh, blog posts get more traffic from Google. Google likes them, from what I've heard. They like content. So, blog, um, I'm sorry, podcast episodes tend to just have a lot of words because people, um, it's just a lot easier to create the content when you're talking versus writing. It's just easier to talk than it is to write. So, if you wanted to transcribe your episodes, you can pay to have someone transcribe it for you. And I've heard that's a a good way to create a lot of content. Um, Now, I don't, at this point, I have no plans to do transcriptions, but, uh, you know, that's something I could always do later. Personally, I like to just do like a, a summary or a description of the episode and then people can listen to it on their own um and then i'll add like a lot of times i'll be talking about something and i'll say you know i'll refer to some person or i'll refer to some website or some link and then that's you know i'll put that in the show notes um so that's definitely something that i think is helpful and then another thing you can do is you can take the podcast episode and a lot of times there's software I haven't really looked into that yet with Anchor I think maybe they have something that does this automatically I'm not sure but there are ways to upload your podcast to YouTube and other platforms so I think LinkedIn has a limit of 10 minutes and I'm I'm at 42 minutes now Um, but there is a way I'll figure out how to do it like even if I have to um, right now I'm recording on my phone. If I record on my digital recorder, then I could just, uh, you know, I could trim it down to 10 minutes or whatever for, for LinkedIn, or maybe I'll just do like a introduction. Maybe I'll do a separate introduction for LinkedIn. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but I'll try to do these daily and hope you, um, got something out of that. <laughs> I think I have a lot of ideas and uh, I'll definitely be talking about my journey. You know, I don't know everything. I'm I'm learning a lot of things and I could be learning things from you. And uh, a lot of times not being the expert is really an advantage where you can um, ask questions and then people will be, you know, if, if I'm having the same problem that you're having, you know, there's a chance that there's a lot of other people searching for the same, uh, for the same information. So I think that's where you can stumble on to a really popular topic just by not knowing what you're doing. Uh, so it's not all, you don't have to have expertise in anything really. You just have to know how to, you just have to know how to ask the right questions and then 
um, you know, find the answers and then share that process with people as you're making content. So that's a, a really good tip for creating content. You don't have to feel intimidated like, well, I don't know anything about anything. How do I even get started doing this? Uh, <laughs> you just have to like break it down one step at a time. Like, okay, what am I trying to do? How do I get there? What's the first step? And, uh, you know, write, write down these ideas and then get them into a podcast start making content maybe make maybe like making pictures i don't you know it's up to you all right so that concludes this episode hope you got something out of it if you want to um connect with me just find me on linkedin pj brunet pj space b-r-u-n-e-t and uh you should see me on there um my company on there is creative tech systems llc and i hope to hear from you soon Thanks for listening.